Good morning, all of you. How are you? Isn't it amazing, um, for those who have been here for this journey these six years, how uh, sometimes quickly things go by, how um, uh, what I would have done maybe differently, and, and just how the Lord has so blessed our church, uh, starting in the Garden Church and the theater and uh, blessings that uh, the pastor at First Baptist allowed us to use our churches on some Saturday evenings because the theater and, and all of that and then moving to the forum and then here um, God is so gracious and I, I wonder what he's going to do in the future I, I know f- something for certain and that is would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 I, I do know this for certain that we have a, a really grasp as a church of what God wants to do how how is church established I, I, I am um, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm an old-fashioned guy, and I, I guess I'm a strict fundamentalist. I, I believe with all of my heart that God has given us a pattern for church. I believe that He has not left us unaware. I, I don't think He just wanted us to haphazardly do whatever it is we want to do. He says, upon this rock, talking about Himself in Matthew chapter 18 or 13, uh, it's either 18, 13 or 13, 18, but he says, upon this rock, I will build my, what? I will build my church. And since he said those things, it doesn't seem to me, it seems to me very obvious. It doesn't seem at all that he was just flippantly saying these things. I believe he said th- these words because he expected us to follow after his pattern. And so we're learning here in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians a, a most marvelous truth And if we can grasp this, if we can understand this place in Scripture, we have a foot up on what our church is about and what we're about. And when people ask you, what is the Rock Community Church? What is the Rock Community Church? You will have a very, very succinct thing to tell them about how we do church. And we believe that God has established it. We are willing to follow after His pattern. Now, now, Paul said, starting in this fourth chapter, did he not? He says, I want you to, <clears throat> to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And then he asked us to walk in humility and gentleness and patience and kindness, I think it was. Yeah, he says, with humility, gentleness, patience, forbearings, loving one another, that's it. Preserving the unity of the Spirit. This is verse 3 in the bond of peace. Because he reminds us there is but one body. Just one. Just one body. We have this privilege of, of, of saying, Lord, this is what you wanted to build upon. This, your name, this rock of yours, this rock you are going to build your church. And so we want to do it correctly. It, it behooves you and me to do it the way the Lord has asked us to do it. And so I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty serious about this place in Scripture. So that we, the Lord then gave us evidence of who he is, that he had, he had descended from heaven and risen back up into heaven itself and ascended there. And so it says in verse 11, as we kind of started this now, he, he gave some, he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and then he gave some as evangelists and he gave some as pastor teachers. And what we learned last week is that the apostles and the prophets were, were given for that period of time to verify that this is what the church was to be like. This was what the Word of God established. 
We learned last week that an apostle was one who traveled from place to place, much like an evangelist would today. We learned that a prophet was one that stayed in one church. Paul, when he stayed at the church at Antioch for three years, he was not called an apostle there. He was called a prophet, but he was still an apostle. But he wasn't traveling, much like we believe the Lord set in place the pastor-teacher to be in in one place to, to... to care for and to and to feed the flock, to shepherd the people that God has brought to this church. And we believe that the apostles and the prophets were were, were completed. Once they died, they, they did not replenish themselves with other prophets and apostles, but rather the Lord God then replenished the church with, with evangelists and pastor teachers. And so he establishes the church. We've come to one of the most beautiful places in Scripture to find out what God wants to do within our, our four walls and out. We're to go and get outside of ourselves as well. And so Paul shows us how the church was established through the leadership we saw in verse 11. And we saw that we were each given a gift. Every single one of us was was given a gift to prepare and to keep the structure of what the church was to be going, not only here, but it, it across the world. Every church ought to take very seriously what God has given to us as believers. And once this church, this church that was established, well, look with me, hold your place here. Remind ourselves again. Look at Acts chapter 2, please. Once the church is formed, then none of God's plans, none of His purposes for the church was to be altered. And the formula He gave was very clear in Acts chapter 2. In chapter 2, after Peter preached a message in Jerusalem, you know this story, some 3,000 souls were added to the body. What were they going to do with all of these people? It must have amazed them that that many people responded to the very message of Jesus Christ. What were they to do? And so they gathered together. And when they gathered together, in verse 42, they were told to continually devote themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the leadership, I mean, excuse me, the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. The very formula of a church is, is following after the teaching of the apostles. In other words, the teachings that were laid down for you and me within these, these words that we read here. Establish the church. Have fellowship with one another. Break bread, which reminds me, I, I always am convicted. We, we perhaps don't do communion enough, and that's totally my fault. It, Uh, You need to remind me. If you don't feel that we do it enough now, I don't want to do it every week because I don't want it to become a a routine. I want our our, our faith to just flow out of us naturally. But if you feel a sense that you want to have communion, if you ask me, I think anyone will tell you, if you've ever asked me, we'll do it. And then we have to pray for one another. And then then we saw in verse 43... Because of that, there there was a sense of awe within the community. Well, because there were wonders and signs taking place through the apostles and through the apostles because they were establishing the church and they were verifying that what they were saying was from God. 
And so there was this verification through signs and wonders and there was an awe within the community as this church was growing. And, and there was such a love for one another that they had all things, it says in verse 40, 44 and 45, all things in common. And they were, they were sharing with one another as the need came, came up. We need one another now. In this time, there are people out of work, out of, they can't find a job. I'm watching television and I'm just being so discouraged by it all. And we need to, we need to help one another here. We need to be a church that cares for each other. And it says in verse 47, they were praising God. And and I love this particular verse. It said they were having favor, favor with all the people, not, not just favor within the the four walls, the structure of the building. They were having favor with the people outside. There were so many wonderful things happening within the church that people outside saw that there was a difference from the people who came and they were having favor with those people. And because of that, as at the end of verse 47, Jesus Christ, the Lord God Himself, was adding to their number daily people who were being saved is there any more reason for us to live? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Maybe, maybe my pendulum has flown way off the hook and, and, and all I want is people to be saved. I think that's everything. That's, that's, that's everything. I, I want to see people in heaven smiling and maybe nodding at some of us saying thanks, thanks. People being saved. And so God has given us this formula And as you turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 4, we see that that once it was established, then then God gave to the rest of us a a responsibility. Can you believe it? Can you believe that, that Almighty God has entrusted with you, you and you and with me, the responsibility of building His church it overwhelms me. It overwhelms me. And what we've learned, if we've learned nothing else from this place in Scripture, is that salvation is only the beginning part of our walk with Christ. It's only, it's only the starting place because once we've come to believe in Him and our salvation is secure, then He gifts us. Gifts us so that we might look at verse 12 where we'll start today. He gifts us for a purpose so that we, number one, would equip each other, the saints. Why? So that we might understand how to do the work of service. What would be the result of that? The building up of the body of Christ. Which, by the way, if you're fearful at all, is what Paul wanted to take away from you and me. He wanted to remove our fears. And he reminded us in chapter 2 of Ephesians, in verse 10, that, that we are God's workmanship. We have been created on, in, in Christ Jesus for good works. These works that we're supposed to do. Equipping one another, work of service. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, 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 folks, God has prepared beforehand. All we need to do is walk in it. It's His. Why in the world He has used you and me? Only He really knows. I think those of us who have 
been used by God in any kind of degree at all understand that emotional blessing that you have, that feeling that, that maybe something, maybe something that we've done today honored our Lord. And we sense that, that blessing, that feeling that overwhelms us. Which brings us now to what does the church look like? Why are we to diligently equip one another? Why are to do the work of service? Why build up the body of Christ? Within these five verses, verses 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, these simple five verses lie the very essence of church. There are seminars that you can go to. There are books, there are books that are written one after another telling people, especially pastors, who get frustrated because their church is not growing, how to build a church, how to grow a church. I'm telling you, you hear as a as a pastor, you get all kinds of what I consider junk mail. Because There is no need to run off to a seminar to find out how to grow a church. What we need to do is, what has God told us? You know, He he hasn't left us unaware. And within these five verses, I say to you that it will teach you more than any book you might read on growing a church. It'll teach us more about any method that we might want to do or not do. And I'm telling you what some of these books have done has started off that whole movement of the seeker-friendly church, which is, by that I mean, they don't open their Bibles because they don't want to offend the people who are coming in. And what you and I are going to learn today, it is critical that we teach the people who come in to our four walls. Critical. And so because of some seminars and some books, I doubt the value of, of what they've taught the churches today, of how they're to build the church. There are giant churches around today that aren't worth a plug nickel because they're not doing what God has called them to do. Oh, they're growing. They're growing. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature person, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects unto Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Verse 16, 
ought to make you reconsider your involvement within church. Because it says very clearly, the whole body is being fitted together. Verse 16, it's being held together by that which every single, I added the word single, every joint supplies. Note, according to the proper working of each individual part, which does something, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Within verses 12 through 16 is the, is the very essence of what church is to look like. And we will, by the grace of an almighty God, follow that pattern rather than the, the, the new movements that are, are out there. Let me just say, the way we do church, you know, if we have music first, and then an offering, and then the message, that's not what was established. We could do the message first, then the music, then the offering, or the offering first. You know, that, that order is not relevant. In fact, if you want us to change some, let us know. Maybe the best thing to do is to have music after the message. So then we can worship the Lord. I, I don't know. I'm willing to do any of that. I, I'm just not willing to compromise on what God has asked us to do. And that is to, to be diligent about studying the, the apostles' teachings and to have fellowship with one another and, 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 and to breaking of bread and having communion and, and praying for one another and worshiping our Lord through the music and, and supporting the church through our finances. Those things are established. But the order? It's up to you, folks. You can make the call. This is all of our church. Let, let's pray. Father, please, open up our eyes. Let us see the importance of this so that we might behold the most wonderful of treasures on the face of this good earth, and that is your word, the understanding of your law, what you have set in order, Father. It, I believe it's, I know, I know it's serious to you. You haven't given us the right to build your church. You you will build your church. And Father, we'll follow. We are sheep. You are our shepherd. When you called people to believe in you, you asked them to do but one thing. And you said, follow me. And that's our, our desire. My desire from the bottom of my heart. Just to follow you. Lord, uh, please move me aside. Let us see the wonders of what, uh, of what this scripture has to say to us. I think it's critical for us as a church so that we would be not unaware of what you are doing in our midst. Thank you, Father, for everybody here. Bless them all, I pray, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Verses 12 through 16, five verses give us the most succinct plan that is given to a church to produce growth. By growth, by the way, I don't mean growth in numbers so that we have a lot, a lot, a lot of people. That's God's business. The number of people that come that's God's business. What we do with the people that He brings here, 
that's our part. He has given you and me the responsibility by giving us a gift to equip one another. And so what we do with the people are here to help growth isn't growth this way, it's growth this way. It's growth deep so that we are established in what we believe. In a moment, you're going to see how important that is. When Jesus said, here I have it written down, Matthew 16, I said 13, I was really off. Matthew 16, verse 18, he says, I will build my church. And it seems obvious to me that that the building of his church must go according to his plan. We don't have the right to change that plan. And his plan was to gift you and me individually to do this work within this church that he has built, work that he has prepared for us, so that we would just equip, do the work of service to build up the body of Christ. Now, two places we're going to look in, in Timothy. First, Second Timothy and then First Timothy. Would you turn with me to Second Timothy? It's to the right. It, it's not too far. It's, isn't Timothy before Hebrews and James? So if you get to Hebrews, Timothy is just to the left of that is a little bit to the right of where we are. In 2 Timothy, Paul was saying to his beloved Timothy, whom he led to Christ, he was saying in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, these wonderful words. Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God. In other words, what I said last week, I say again this week, that When we read these words, it's such holy ground. Yes, Peter wrote them, but Peter only wrote what God inspired him to write. We're not really hearing what... I'm saying Peter, I mean Paul, but it doesn't matter. The same to all. But but we aren't aren't reading and following after what Paul is is saying to us. We're really reading and following what God is telling us to do. It's, it's critical to know that we are hearing from the very heart of God. And so Paul writes, all Scripture is inspired by God. And it is, all Scripture is profitable for teaching. Teaching. Teaching the Word of God. It'll help you for reproof. It'll help for correction. It'll help in training in righteousness. And it has a purpose, verse 17, so that the, the man or the, or the person of God might be adequate. Watch. Equipped for every good work. Yes, of course. Stay right here. But actually go back to 1 Timothy on your way back to Ephesians. Just turn to the left a little bit to 1 Timothy. As, as we've been, we just read in 2 Timothy, you and I are equipped for good works and we, that establishes within our lives through the diligent study of all of God's Word. All of it. We are to teach all of God's Word. Paul said to Timothy, again in 1 Timothy now, chapter 4, verse 6, 11, and 13. In verse 6, he says, point out these things to the brethren. What things? Well, the things that you have learned, Timothy, the the teaching of the Word of God. Point out these things to the brethren. You'll be then a good servant of Christ, 
constantly being nourished on the words of faith and of sound doctrine which you have been following. Verse 11, he says, Prescribe and teach these things. Teach them, Timothy. How long? He says, well, until I come. Give attention to the... Oh, verse 13, excuse me. Give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teach. Teach. Teach and then teach. Look back at Ephesians chapter 4. This time look at verse 16 again. You see, the work of service is not just for the pastor teacher to do. It's for the whole body. It's from the whole body, verse 16, being fitted and held together by that which every joint is going to supply. In other words, every one of us have a purpose according to the proper working of each individual part. And what each individual part will cause, it'll cause the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Every individual part causes growth of the body. In other words, every single one of us is needed. All of us are critical to what God wants to do within the church. Now, I say this to you not to get you involved. I mean, I want to say this. I don't think you should move off of your seat until God moves you. In other words, as much as I preach what I'm preaching, I'm not preaching this to... to con- yeah, that would be a lie. I am to trying to convict you, but I'm not preaching this to move you. I'm, I'm not. That's not my intent. I, I can't do that. I won't do that. I want God to do it. You see, if, if I do it, if anyone does it, if we, if we twist your arm to make you serve here and we make you do it, it will probably end up a, a, a difficult and, and terrible experience for you and you'll be turned off to the real things of God. Rather, let God move you. Let God push you and and nudge you into that place where He wants you to serve Him. And there you will find a happiness. Listen, I've been preaching. I've been in ministry for 30 years. I don't know how long now. I'll think about it later. It's a long time. You can tell. Look, it's been a long time. Look at me. I'm still excited about it. I'm still excited about doing this. I still look forward to every weekend. I, 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 I love doing what, what, is, what God is doing here, and I love being a part of it, and I've never once lost that passion. I really am excited about studying again this week. And, and let me say this to you. It's not like I jump out of bed every morning saying, yippee, because it's hard. It's hard sometimes to go do it, and it's, and it's, it's ongoing. It, it's, it doesn't stop. It's week in and week out. But I love it. The moment I get in, I remind myself, uh, why was I reluctant? Why did I drag my feet? This is enjoyable. I love doing it. And I've never lost that, that passion because I didn't force, nobody forced me into doing it. It was... God who moved me. And so I, I, want you to, I want you to hear this. As much as I preach, I want you to get involved. It's not because of me that you should get involved. It's as God moves you. And so if you don't do anything for a while, relax. Don't let anybody pressure you or you feel like you're a less of a Christian. Let God move you. But on the other hand, don't be so sluggish and slowful that you don't, you'll never do anything. Find that happy place. 
Now look at verse 13. We're to care for the church until, it says in verse 13, we obtain, all of us, attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, that we would become a mature person to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That, that's that's our, our motive to, to allow you and me to become unified in our faith and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and become mature. Mature. Becoming mature is key. Not studying the Word of God is a travesty upon any church that opens its door. Paul taught in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, he says, I proclaim Jesus Christ and I admonish every single person, he says, I teach everyone with all wisdom that, that I might present everyone complete, mature in Christ. That, that ought to be our goal. That ought to be especially my goal. That I would admonish you, encourage you, I would teach you the best I know how that, that by the grace of God we might present every one of us complete and mature before Jesus Christ. Why? Look at verse 14. As a result, in other words, from being mature in our faith, we'll no longer be, be children. We'll no longer be tossed here and there by waves and We'll no longer be carried about by every wind of doctrine. We'll no longer be tricked by men. And we'll no longer be enticed by the craftiness in deceitful schemings. The trickery of men, of course, it comes from human beings. The craftiness and deceitful scheming comes from the evil one, Satan, and his demons. You see, sound teaching... Watch verse 14. Because of verse 13, verse 14 becomes a mute point. If, if we do the sound teaching, then we will not be tossed here and there by every wave and every wind of doctrine. We won't be misled and manipulated as so many immature believers have become away from the very simple truth of salvation. There are cults who, who, who kind of come to churches from time to time and intermingle and find out who are the new believers, who are the younger people in their faith. And, and, and oftentimes they will invite those people away and, and, and try to induce them and, and, and teach them other doctrinal beliefs, other winds of doctrine. And they will trick people into no longer following after Jesus Christ. You see, in verse 14, when, when God's truth is properly taught, then the deceitful schemes of the devil and the human trickery of mankind would never shake us from our faith. I've said over and over again, if it, if it becomes a, a news story that, that someone found out without doubt that there is no Jesus Christ, that there is no real faith, faith in, in, in eternal heaven, I, I, I still not change. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sticking into this for the rest of my life. And I'm going to entrust my soul 
to my Savior. I don't have another game plan. I'm not looking to be traded. I like my team. And so Paul tells us about these schemes. Later on in the book of Ephesians, he double warns us. Look at chapter 6, just for a moment, just to cross-reference what is said here in in verse 14. Look at chapter 6 and verse 11 for a moment. Here's how serious Paul is. Actually, God, because he had Paul write this. God said through Paul, put on the full armor of God so that you might be able to stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. And so we're to understand the Word of God so as not to be tossed here and there by every wind and every wave of doctrine that comes our way. We will be established in our faith. You see, both mankind through human philosophies, boy, are we hearing them, and Satan's schemes, They're trying to move us away from our faith. And you know, folks, you better know what you believe right now in this day and age in which we live. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's standing before us. But there is going to be persecution. And there will be persecution in the church. We will be told, maybe, if things keep going the way it's going, what to say and what we cannot say. There's going to be hate speech. and, And we will be amazed at what is hateful and what is not. I've already told Cain, visit me in the jail. I told her, bring me something. Because I will not, I will not get get away from teaching the Word of God. I, I know what is hateful speech. I know what's in my heart. I don't have a hate for any person, but I will preach what God asks us to preach. I, I can't deny my God. Neither should you. And you, you ought to start thinking through these things already. Thank you. I, I was going to say, are you, are you happy I'm going to be going to jail? <laughs> no, you just, need to, you just need to already prepare your heart. When you hear things like this, don't be fooled by it. Don't, don't think, oh, that won't happen to me. I, whenever I watch Schindler's List, the saddest part of that, that movie, I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. I, I don't know whether to recommend it or not, to be honest with you. I, I just know it was the most moving movie I had ever seen in my life. I, you know how much I cry anyways. Man, did I cry. And it, 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 it just moved me beyond measure that when, when the Jewish people were being moved and some of them had all their fur coats and their pictures and their gold and their jewelries and they were taken away and they were going to say, well, we'll go to this place for a while. And, and what they were doing was was so so devious. And they went that way. And I don't know what's happening to us in our society today in this global thing. But I am trying to prepare my mind and my heart against what might come our way. So... We need to be wise enough so that we're not moved away by the trickery of mankind or the schemes of the devil. And here's what we're to do in verse 15. Watch, it just, oh, thank you, God. Look how this flows out. We're to speak the truth in love. You realize, don't you, that that often the truth hurts, you know? 
The truth hurts. <laughs> Paul said in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16, what a great cross-reference. He says in Galatians 4, 16, he says to the people, have I therefore become your enemy because I've told you the truth? <laughs> Don't you love that? Have I become your enemy because I've told you the truth? We're to speak the truth in love so that we would all, as verse 15 reminds us, grow up in all aspects unto Christ, who is, of course, the head of our church. So let's review. What does a church look like? Verses 12 through 15. Verse 12, we're all to equip one another. We're all to do the work of service to kind of get on, as Tommy Lasorda used to say at the beginning of spring training, I want everybody on the end of one end of the rope, pulling together, and we'll defeat everybody, he said. We're to equip one another for the work of service so that we might build up the body of Christ, verse 12 tells us. And for how long? Well, we're to teach. We're to teach, to teach, to teach, and to teach until we all attain unity, a knowledge of Jesus Christ, so that we might grow in maturity of ourselves and of our faiths, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's what we want to become like. Why? Verse 14 tells us, so that we won't be fooled by mankind and by Satan's schemes that will come against Jesus Christ and try to trick us and move us away from our faith. And our purpose in doing all of this in verse 15, it says, so that we can lead others to Jesus Christ, who is our head. How? By speaking the truth to them in love. That's why we will not at this church, not ask you not to bring your Bibles. God forbid, I believe with all of my heart, that anyone and everyone who's here, whether you're a believer or not a believer, you want to at least hear that two and two are four. You at least want to hear that. You at least want to know, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, what will happen? Well, you'll be condemned to hell. For how long? For ever and ever. That's hate speech, folks. That will be in time hate speech. But that's the truth. And a person needs to hear at least the truth and they can say to themselves no to that. And that's then their decision. Or they can say, I want to hear more about that. That too is their decision. Or they can say, I want to embrace my Savior as my Lord. That too is their decision. But until they hear that two and two are four, until they hear the truth of the Word of God, when a person comes here, they, they won't know what to think. And some churches just rub, rub their little heads and pat them on their back and say, you're fine, you're just fine. Don't worry, don't worry. No, worry, worry a lot. Because hell is eternal and it is terrible. None of us want you to go there if you're visiting us. We want you to know our Savior and what you do with that knowledge of, of what you just heard. That's, that's between you and God. Nobody can make you accept the Lord. But by the grace of God, nobody can stop you either. Well, you see what we've learned in verses 12, 13, and 14, and 15 is that a spiritual mature church doesn't stay stagnant, but rather it grows. And then it moves out to serve its community. 
you and I have not been gifted so that we would simply edify one another here and just get fat on each other. We're to, we're to edify one another so that we can move out and find favor in this community in which we live, favor with the people. And how do we do that? Well, we speak the truth to them in love so that they might come to believe in Jesus Christ and escape the very grasp of hell itself. Paul wishes for every person to realize that through the pure teaching of the Word of God, we can become complete, we can become mature, we can have the fullness of Christ reigning within us. And so as we learn in verse 16, it's, it's every part. You are desperately needed, beloved. Each of us are needed to do the work of God. The growth of this church, the growth of any church, listen now, is not a result of clever programs or charismatic type of teaching. No. The true growth of any church that opens its doors is a result of all of us together doing our part for the cause of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us using our God-given gift to grow the body of Christ. That's, that's how a church grows. You don't need... I just saved you a lot of money. You don't have to go to a seminar. No, really, God did. So let's be devoted. Let's be devoted to one another. It's not words that I simply say that I love you. It is a, it is a commitment in my heart that you are like family to me. Actually, you are more than family to me sometimes. I miss family events with my sister and brother-in-law because they choose to, to have everything on weekends. I can't do things on weekends, so I've told them that. There's no hard feelings. I just choose to be with you rather than with my family. That's not a, a, a rap against my sister or her husband or, or their kids. The truth of the matter is, I want to be with God and His people more than life itself. And so when I say to you, I love you, you can take that to the bank. I love you with all my heart. And I, uh, I pray that you and I will grow in all aspects into Christ, that we become mature people so that by the grace of God, we teach the Word of God here so that we won't be tossed and turned by every wind and every wave of doctrine that comes our way. So that we won't be shaken in our faith. Time is coming where you will, we will be shaken. I pray that we'll all be strong and know what we believe and are willing to stand for what we believe in. Dear Father, the seriousness of your word overwhelms me and that you would and that you would that you would give to a mere human beings the responsibility of doing what we do i thank you father that you have created us in your son for good works and that you have prepared it beforehand you just ask us to walk in it i I understand that, Father. It would be hard to trust everything to us. 
without your guidance. So guide us, dear Father. Let us love one another, dear Father. Let us really love our faith. And let us really, Father, love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our minds. Let us understand the purest knowledge that we can have, and that is that you are our Father who is in heaven, and hallowed is your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done, Father, here on this earth, just as if it were in heaven. And Father, would you give us this day our daily bread? And would you please, Father, forgive those of us who have offended us? Because, dear Father, you are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Love you all. In Jesus' name, I love you all. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Thank you for being here so much. Thank you.